Do you like podcasts that are moist? Come down to be sated by inspired incompetence. How's everybody doing? You know, I felt I felt fine before that statement, <laughs> and it's now you're moist. Yeah, mo- moist has never bothered me. It's not even the word; it was the way how he said it. Like it sounded moist. Like yeah, it did. Like grimy moist. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you were gonna do a cool ASMR intro, and but that wasn't it. <laughs> it was a moist ASMR. No, no. Okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, cliffhangers. We we had one last week. You guys resurfaced onto Vigil. Uh, population unknown. I swear to God, if Cedo's one of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you guys were on. We're in the sewers, and beneath even them. Uh, in this strange uh, forgotten temple to Arasni, it would seem, uh, for quite a while. And uh, you found Dondon, and he's currently traveling with you guys. You learned some potentially pretty extreme shit about uh, the Whispering Tyrant's plans, uh, including that he was going to probably blow up the city of Vigil, and in doing so, enable his own freedom. You made it to the surface, and lo and behold, uh, it would appear that he went actually did it. And I believe in the description you gave, one of the few remaining intact structures that we saw was like the temple to Iomade. Yes, yep. Sanct Iomade. Uh, the dome is caved in, uh, but otherwise, it like you can hear its giant bell being frantically rang, probably in distress. Uh, that's pretty much the only sign of of anything right now. Every, every the rest of the city's just this. It's just obliterated. There are still standing structures in places. But for the most part, it is. It, it looks like ruins. It looks like ruins, save for like the fact that it's still smoldering, and you can hear every so often, uh, like a distant scream, uh, or like roar. Like there's other shit going on in the city, even as you watch. And the Elena Varvados is like the high priestess of Iomade, right? So that's like where yes. she hangs out. Yes. And that is where we last saw Yando. Yes. So, what do you guys do? Well, I think first we leveled up, right? Yes. Uh, thank you for reminding me. Let's uh, let's let's cut all this dramatic tension uh, and let it fall on its face and talk about our uh, level 10. <laughs> I'll go first. Mine, all right. Mine's going to be pretty uh, short and sweet. So, level 10, you know, got the basics. I... For the level, I basically am able to use my Magus level as either three or five levels less to qualify for fighters' feats, like fighter-specific feats. That was pretty much it. So I'll just go over the two spells that I chose for the level. And okay. uh, those two spells, fourth-level spells, I got fourth-level spells, so I took two fourth-level spells. And I took Greater Invisibility, which we're all pretty familiar with at this point. Hmm. And then... Well, I mean, in case nobody's listened to our Skull and Shackles campaign. Well, I feel like I shouldn't explain it, and they should go listen to it. That was punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and listen to an entire campaign before you continue, just so you know how Greater Invisibility works. (laughs) We'll Um, wait. Basically, it's just Invisibility, but where Invisibility has the condition when you make a offensive action you come out of invisibility greater invisibility nope you just stay invisible you can make as many offensive actions as you want you're not gonna lose it the trade-off is the duration yes yeah i think it's uh rounds right instead of level yeah yeah chat Rounds yeah, per one round per level per instead level. of minutes per level. So greater invisibility is very much more the combat-focused version of the spell, where invisibility's yes. got a lot more utilitarian needs, or utility uses. The second spell I took, also a fourth-level spell, I took Stone Skin, 
which for this has a duration of 10 minutes per level and it grants me dr10 that's uh bypassed by adamantine but the kind of balance to this spell is it does have a material component of 250 gold worth of diamond dust one thing to remember is that the the dr you get from stone skin does tick away slowly yeah, it's uh, a maximum. So it, it, it's very similar to my shield that turns damage into non-lethal, where right. the first 10 points of an attack are mitigated, and you can do that up to a maximum of 10 per cast level. So for right now, 100 points in total. Right. But still, DR10. Preventing 100 points of damage. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, anything else? No, that, it was it was a very uh, light level. All right, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Tenth level was kind of a light one for Rogiar. Um, yeah, my kinetic blast didn't get any stronger. Yeah, the only thing I got was another uh, utility wild talent, and for this one I took aerial evasion, which basically at the beginning of or yeah at the beginning of the day or whenever I want to I can accept one point of burn to grant myself evasion, like the rogue ability, for the day. Whereas, you know, instead of taking half damage on a reflex save, I would take no damage. Cost you one point of burn, and then you get all day evasion. Yep. Okay. All right. Until the next like time that. my burn is removed. All right, who wants to go next? Uh, Vipira will. Um, so Vipira actually had a couple different things going on. Uh, so she got advanced, she got into the advanced rogue talents, uh, and she found, uh, opportunistic, which allows me to, uh, take an attack of opportunity anytime, uh, one of, uh, somebody attacks a creature that's adjacent to me. That only happens once per round, but that's once per round I can, uh, attack something extra past that uh let's see here what else did i get oh rogue's edge vipira also got rogue's edge which allows her to gives you skill unlocks with uh with certain certain skills of your choice right uh which one did i take up though (laughs) you took appraise the first time at level five and you took intimidate this time right i took appraise and i intimidate's a strong one yep uh intimidate is uh gonna allow me to essentially anytime that i make an intimidate tech uh attempt uh i could put the fear of god into them the skill unlock for Intimidate at 10 ranks says that if you exceed the DC to demoralize the target by at least 10, then it's panicked for one round or frightened for 1d4 rounds, your choice, and shaken thereafter. Um, thereafter meaning the like the rest of the duration. Like So you demoralize them, the DC is X. If you get X plus 5, then they're demoralized for two rounds. So this says that you have to beat the DC by at least 10, so that would be three rounds, uh, panicked for one round or frightened for 1d4 rounds and shaken thereafter. Um, They get to make a will save, uh, which is 10 plus your number of ranks in Intimidate, which is insane uh, to negate the frightened or panic condition, but the target is still nonetheless shaken. So yeah, that's pretty pretty, uh, crazy. A certain... uh, And then there's... uh nothing more yeah all right cool uh and that leaves us with randolph yeah old randolph yes i leveled up as well um i got two fourth level spells one of which is restoration finally we've got it on me we talk about that all the time (laughs) and uh the other one is spiritual ally which uh i can summon a spiritual ally in a five foot space and they attack when I tell them to and I can move them and stuff and uh yeah so we got Randolph Thelias and now if I cast it a third member of the band and uh I may or may not have ideas as to who or what the spiritual ally will be very nice 
Uh, do you get any other spells? I did. I got um, second level spell, Purge Spirit. It's like a, basically what it sounds like. I basically point at a, or touch a incorporal ethereal spirit, and uh, they take a whole bunch of damage. Yeah, I'm going to be obliterating spirits and apparitions and whatnot. You can also use um, it on haunts, which could come in handy if you can act in the surprise round with them. What's a haunt again? It's basically a supernatural trap. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, cool. Apparently, I could only bring Thalias back into my head once a day, uh, but now I can do it twice a day. I, do, I didn't really use that spell a whole lot, you know, multiple yeah. times. I don't, I'm not sure if I ever used it more than once a day. Yeah. I just don't um, think we we're ever keeping track. But, right. Yeah. But it's now, good that now, now I've got will to. be. Yeah. And uh, now I've got this fused consciousness where I have, like, these abilities, I already had them, but now I have them, like, extra, always. Uh, so anytime Thalias is manifested, I get his senses. Um, whenever he's manifested or not, I gain the skill focus feat for diplomacy and sense motive. And a plus four bonus on saves versus mind affecting effects. So that's probably going to come in handy. And then this one's weird. I didn't know about this one. Is this new, Alex? The once per day, if I fail a no. save. So that was something that you could always do as long as he was like in your consciousness. Gotcha. But now you can do it whether or not he's in your consciousness. Okay. So I can I can throw an effect to Thalias as an immediate action and just be like, oh, it wasn't me. You were looking at Thalias when you uh, casted this effect. Yeah, and so like Randolph just... gets hit with like a mind-affecting effect, like a fear spell. Uh, he fails his save. He goes, ah, oh, no, Thalias, here, you take it, like hot potato. <laughs> and so Randolph's not feared, but instead Thalias, he's not feared, but he has he's suffering from a mind-affecting effect. And during the duration of that, he gets shunted into... Randolph's consciousness. Yeah, so, I mean, that sounds kind of mean, but it's pretty friggin' cool. And Thalias, I mean, we got a good report now, so I'm sure he's good for it. Yeah. All right, cool. So, you guys return to the surface of Vigil, and it's... It's fine. It's fine. It's... it's, No, it it is hard to take in. There's, There's smoke and dust everywhere. Like, it looks like it's, like, just been in the process of settling over the course of hours, but it's still this like hazy cloud. And through that cloud, you can still see uh, like there are fires everywhere in the city. You can hear that frantic bell ringing at the Sancti Amidei. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's horrible. What do you guys do? I got to check with Elias real quick and make sure he didn't leave the oven on. <laughs> He didn't change the lint in the dryer. <laughs> I think Uther would be inclined to want to make it to the temple where we hear the bells ringing because if that's the only structure we see standing, he's kind of assuming that's probably been like the base, like the gathering point for like a base of operations. Just for clarity's sake, that's not the only structure that's standing. That's certainly the biggest one yeah. still standing. Um, and there is one other large structure standing. It's there's also a single uh, tower standing in the uh, the southeast area of the city. So you guys are roughly around here, a little north of the docks. Uh, as you come up from the surface, the Sancti Amidei is a bit to your west. That and is kind of over where my parents were, right? They were like to the west. My dad's house. I think you got. I think your parents were near the docks as well. I'm, I thought it was like over here somewhere. Uh, you might be right. Uh, but to to your immediate north, the like this like the big inner wall uh, watchers tour where Castle Overwatch was, where the uh, the War College was. This is where you guys went to get interrogated by Sito. It is just a crater. It's like Ground Zero. There is nothing left. Yeah. And, and we would know that's where that's where Aridin's shield was being kept and like displayed right. and everything was there. So that's yes. the epicenter of the explosion based on our knowledge from that journal and from what Dondon told us. Yes. All right. So take it from here. All right. Well, when Rogyar just kind of like flies up out of the underground and sees 
just the utter devastation of the city. Like, as everyone else is still kind of climbing their way up, you just see Rogyar, like, floating back down to the ground, just a look of complete shock and awe on his face. And, like, as I would assume, as you guys are kind of cresting this this collapsed tunnel, Rogyar just kind of collapses to his knees on the ground, just struggling to process what's going on here. Do you hear that? The bells at the Temple of Iomidae are being rung. Rogyar, get up! We cannot stay here. And Uchid's gonna kind of start, like, corralling everybody and trying to get them to go in that direction. Dondon, who uh, is kind of bringing up the rear... Uh, he's he's looking around and he he doesn't look super surprised like we just read about what he was about to see up on the surface in that journal but he he still looks like uh, he's all messed up he looks over at at you going towards the temple and he goes what are you doing no we need to go this way and he points to the east he goes that's the fastest way out of the city we're not leaving the city There's nothing left in this city! Don't you understand? We need to gather as many people as we can. Vigil is done, but this this is not the war we are fighting right now. Uchid will go over and kind of like grab his arm. Vipira steps in the middle on that. Right now, there are bells ringing, which means that there are survivors. He is not your enemy, neither are you. Right now, we could go our separate ways, Dondon, you can leave right now, never see each other again. Or you come with us. That's flat out it. Dondon, like, whirls around to the east, where he was saying that you should go. And then he whirls back around to you, and he looks, like, dumbstruck. He goes, you're just gonna go get yourselves killed? For what? For what? Where are you gonna go where you're not already dead? You... Saw it yourself in the journal. If Tarbafan has escaped his prison, there's no place left for you to go. Either you come now, or you spend the rest of your life running, praying that we somehow succeed. And Uchidol, he'll turn around and say, Come on, Vipira. We've got to get to the temple as fast as we can. Agreed. Dondon is, like, watching you guys march away. Well, is everybody marching away? Is Rogiar still kind of... Well, down, like... Yeah, like, if everyone starts marching away, Rogiar's still, like, on his on his knees, just looking at the city, just... And he's just, like... Like, Ro- or Uhtred gives that, that little speech, and, like, come on, let's get moving, and, and Rogiar's just there, like, What's... What's the point, lad? I... Look around. We've already lost. Vipu- this one. This one has sense. And he, like, puts his hand on Rogar's shoulder and says, Come on! I shake his hand off, like, don't fucking touch me, Dondon. Vipira is already used to uh, grabbing Rogar by the hand. Just, come on, Rogar. Come on. We, we just need to move forward. We just need to push forward. We survived this far. There's no reason why we can't help the survivors right now. Let's go. We could do at least that. <sighs> What's Randolph doing? So, uh, when Randolph sees the wreckage, it's, like, a bit too much for him, and, uh, he he just sort of wanders off with Elias. I mean, he doesn't, like, run away, but he's, like, looking around, you know. Surveying the the, immediate area. Yeah, and just, like, he's making jokes with Elias because, like, as a defense mechanism to his brain, (laughs) you know, and he's, uh, you know, just walking around like, well, I guess we can just live anywhere we want now. Which it's a real fixer-upper now, huh? <laughs> yeah, like, he's just, you know, like trying to make light of it, but in his mind, he's like, this is the second city, the bigger city, like, Tarbafon, like, he just hears in the back, you know, the whole argument that they're having. Yeah. He's just, like, he's just on his own with Elias being like, holy shit. <laughs> like, this is insanely bad, but, I mean, at this point, like, how could this get any worse type deal? You know, it's like, yeah. all right, this is rock bottom. Let's build from here. But also, this is rock bottom. So, Vipira grabs uh, Rogyar's hand. Yeah, hand, color of the shirt, whatever. Like, Vi- Vipira is actively dragging 
uh, Rogyar. If you resist, Vipira's, uh, Vipira starts getting annoyed by it, so she'll just start walking off, so... Rogyar doesn't really, like, resist. Like, he'll just kind of, like, float up and, like, Vipira can just kind of, like, drag him along with her, but he's, he's still dumbstruck, and he's not really moving forward I don't want to say willingly, but he's not—he's not moving forward on his own just yet. So he's a balloon again. Yeah. Yeah. It, more now than ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are—you guys start marching away, and uh, Dondon is watching you like in complete disbelief, and he's—he looks like infuriated at this point, and like you can just hear, hear, hear him like in the the semi-distance, just shouting, like, You're all fools! You're just... You're just gonna die for nothing! We should run now so we can fight later! There's no point! And then, like, there's a long pause, and then he starts running after you. And after a minute, he catches back up. And he's... He doesn't say a word, and he, he still looks uh, very mad. Right. Kind of like when he gets up to us. I know this looks like rock bottom. You need to all understand this. This is not rock bottom. This is merely the beginning. <laughs> Randolph laughs to Thalias like, oh, it's the beginning of rock bottom. Like, it's even worse than we thought. That's what I'm saying, Randolph. You all make a choice right now. Either you're in this to the end or you're not. And if you're not, well, so be it. Every one of you has given more to this cause than should have been asked of anyone but it's here it's in front of us at our footstep after almost a millennia the shining crusade has been a failure and i'll let them mull over their own decisions as we finish our trek to the temple we got nothing better to do right i mean we're we're sticking with this party uh from the beginning we made it this far might as well right flyas what do you say yeah that's what I, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Donna just oh, yeah. glowers at the at the ground in front of him as he walks. So, how are you all proceeding? Uh, are you attempting to be stealthy through the city, or are you like hurrying? Probably hurrying. I mean, I assume there's people in the streets, like you know. In any kind of disaster, like it becomes kind of so far, so far you haven't passed a soul. Although uh, there are corpses everywhere as you walk through the streets. There's like every once in a while you see a, a body like kind of half hanging out of a window. Like you're sure there are probably survivors just based on the activity happening at uh, the temple. And we know but we were out if, for a few hours, so. It's logic to yeah. assume that, like, this, we're seeing it for the first time, but, like, this isn't necessarily the immediate aftermath. There's been, like, some hours of... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not passing people who are just kind of dealing with this disaster right now. I wouldn't be stealthy about it. So. Until I was given a reason to be more stealthy. Okay. Uh, I'd like everybody to give me perception checks. I mean, I was basically just... I wasn't quiet when I was saying those things to them. Right. That's a 35. Yeah, 35 is decent, but 23. <laughs> we rolled the same number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but flip those numbers around, and it's still smaller. Uchi <laughs> oh. got a 17. A red 15. Okay. Um, do you guys have maybe like a quarter mile to hike? get to the uh, get to the temple every minute or so uh, Rogyar and Randolph you see well maybe Rogyar doesn't I don't know how perceptive he's being right now but Randolph you would see uh, something in the sky the sky is very dark you're really not sure what time of day it is if you had to venture a guess you'd say it's probably daytime uh, in order for you to be able to see as well as you can in uh like through this, like all like, this, like dust and yeah, daytime uh, uh, after a volcano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, every once in a while, you see this uh, very high up in the sky, 
this large dark shape just kind of like like dip down below the the clouds and then back up and then it you know it, it flies elsewhere and it's out of sight uh, I confer with my associate Elias as to what that is it's really hard to say it was, it's, it's too far away and there's just too much uh, obscuring your your vision to really make it out very clearly uh, but there there's something large and flying uh, up above vigil. All right, well, that's entirely unsettling. Um, while I'm walking, I'll be looking for a place to run and hide or prepare invisible or something. Like, I want to take uh, an invasive maneuver if it becomes big. I want to, you know, I don't want to get a surprise round lifted up and dragged away from Vigil. Right, right. Um, Rogiar, you, your attention is probably closer to the ground, and there's no shortage of corpses, but... Most of the corpses look pretty uniform in, I guess you could call it, cause of death. Their limbs are, like, almost, like, liquefied. They're, like, this, like, strange jelly-like material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, they just... It, it would it would appear that, you know, th- you know, those corpses, they're probably the ones who, like, got killed by the blast. Every so often, though, you'll see a corpse that doesn't have that like jelly jellified state and it otherwise looks like it was a, like it's just a normal uh, normal person normal human or halfling or dwarf whatever uh, they're still dead but those corpses uh, you can see the the cause of death appears to be uh, these like bones that got like stabbed into them like you see like a a man laying face down on the side of the street and he has these two like probably foot long like white bones like piercing into his back uh, as if maybe there were perhaps still are survivors but the survivors have since been killed or at least some of them have seeing that seeing what looks like survivors that were hunted down mixed in with the ones that seemed pretty obviously like they died in the blast and combined with the constant tolling of the bells at, at the Sancta Iamide is actually kind of like waking Rogiar up as we as we continue and he, he will point point out the difference in the dead bodies to people like hey hey guys look some of these bodies look like they were still alive after the blast and there's something hunting them is it that thing up there I point to the dragon it might take a minute or so but your eyes directed by Randolph pointing you would all eventually notice this large dark shape just kind of dip into your view and then back out again too far away and too uh, obscure to make out what it is but maybe Rogiar with your perception check now looking up might it's clearly like some sort of winged creature, but again, anything beyond that, you're really not sure. I would expect to find a fair amount of undead that's now within the walls of Vigil. And probably outside the walls, too, judging by the destruction. I can't imagine walls? Galdeus would just abandon a crown jewel like this. I'm sure he's out there somewhere within controlling all of this. I get the feeling he's got more pressing matters in Gallowspire, but perhaps. Anyway, we should uh, we should get a move on and see what survivors are left at the Sanctiamide. Rogiar, you're the first to hear it. Mm. Shortly after that, be Randolph. Just going on your perception checks. You can hear uh, just a cacophony of sound coming from the direction of the the tolling bells. Uh, sounds like a mixture of like shouts and bangs. I don't know how experienced any of you would be at, at recognizing this specific sound, but it sounds like it's... It, it probably would... Uh, eventually you'd realize that it sounds like uh, some sort of like assault, some sort of raid. Which you would probably be familiar with those sounds. Okay, yeah, probably. Uh, like, it might be the sound of like... 
if like, you're going towards the Sancti Amade, it could be uh, it's like under attack. There's uh, like enemies at the walls. Vipira's ready to go. She just wants to get into that fight as quick as possible. Yeah, Uhtred would have been, I think, expecting that. Like, typically, like, the sound of bells ringing usually means, like, you know, attack. Like, bet or bad thing, right? So, and if there was survivors, as, like, like, at Rossler's, like, everything was completely devastated. It was, like, pretty clear there was no way somebody was going to be in the town and survive. Where Vigil looks like just the increase in the size of it, like, resulted in people surviving, so... I think Uhtred was kind of expecting, once he heard the bells, that once we got there, it wasn't just going to be a walk in the front door. Quick question. Uh, You guys brought Doswin up with you. Uh, Is somebody currently carrying her, or did you guys just kind of leave her once you realized the full scope of your situation? Bag of holding? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. No, she's not in the bag of holding. Uh I mean, Rogar's definitely not carrying her because he's got his own stuff going on, but... Randolph's not. I'd be honest, I don't think that would be in Uhtred's mind. We probably... So maybe maybe just later down? Yeah, somewhere uh, Uh, outside that we could probably uh, find her, but hidden. Somewhere out of view, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Daswin has been, like, left at the the exit to... uh, this, to the sewers, but in some some place you can find her later. That's not gonna like any roaming monsters wouldn't just be like, hey, a corpse. Nom 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 nom. <laughs> okay. So with that, you guys start making your way closer and closer to the Sancti Amadei. And just thinking back to Rothlar's coffer, I imagine I'm sure, like Uhtred said, there's a whole bunch of undead in the city, and the constant tolling of the bells is probably like a hey undead guess who's over here yeah it's like a beacon drawing them in yeah i'm guessing that the bells were going off because they were already there and they were signaling like hey we're in trouble yeah we're in trouble and also there's survivors right um also just a, a little reminder for you axel i do still have those goggles so like i should be able as i look at things to see if it's dead or alive if there's any undead, sure. like, playing dead, we can spot them. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair enough. All right, so I'm going to uh, bring you guys to a new map as you approach uh, the Sancti Amadei. Destroyed marble walls and splintered lumber fill the former nave of the cathedral. Amid this mess lie four shattered pillars. Without their support, the entire roof has collapsed. To the north, large pieces of debris reinforce a surviving wall buttressed with scavenged lumber and a piece of an iron fence. Hammering away at this barrier, you see a horde of undead monsters. Ooh, do we have troop mechanics? Yes. Uh, This wretched collection of undead have tight, leathery skin and sunken eyes and emaciated frames. Uh, It looks like it's dozens and dozens of undead filling a 10-foot square. Uh, So this is, uh, mechanically, a troop which functions in many ways like a swarm with a few differences. Uh, One such difference is that uh, it is a swarm essentially with reach as it's made of its component... uh, its component creatures that it is made up of have natural reach. Uh, they're also capable of ranged attacks and, uh, yeah, just some other little uh, surprises along the way. Uh, you cannot remove more than a quarter of a troop's hit points uh, unless the attack is an AoE or has the... Uh, if it's an AoE, then, you know, it's... It gets the same weakness to AoEs, I believe. Um, Question, though. How would that work with my Blast? Because I know my Blast works at full effect against Swarms, but I'm not sure how it would interact with this. I'm going to say that it do- it's not It's not going to be 1.5 times effective like it is against Swarms, but otherwise it would... Uh, 
you know, I'm gonna, I'll treat it like I, I was about to get to uh, in melee. Uh, weapons with the cleave ability can re can remove up to half of a troop's hit points. Uh, I'll I'll call your your blasts. Uh, I'll put those under the same umbrella. Okay. Okay. Um, why don't you guys give me a knowledge religion check to maybe s spot some, you know, statistical uh, talking 20. points about this. Twenty six. Damn. Utra got a sixteen. Uh, twenty two for Rogiar. You uh, so Randolph and Rogiar. I feel like it's like a unique thing. It wouldn't be like something that's already classified, but we'll just go with, you know, you, you make some like gut assumptions about this troop that, you know, will be part of its statistics. This is called a barrier breaker troop. Barrier breaker troops arise from the animation of large numbers of juju zombies in a small amount of time. Rogiar, you can ask one question and, and Randolph, you can ask two questions. Um, give me some DR. No DR. Okay. Randolph? Weaknesses. Just regular zombie stuff? Uh, yeah, it gets, uh, it has undead traits, like all undead creatures. Um, troop is not subject to flanking, but it is subject to critical hits and sneak attacks if its component creatures are subject to such attacks. Uh... It's immune to any spell or effect that targets a specific number of creatures, including single-target spells such as Disintegrate and multiple-target spells such as Haste, though it is affected by spells or effects that target an area or a non-specific number of creatures such as Fireball. Creatures with a troop subtype... This is just stuff that you're going to know. I'm not counting this as like one of your questions, Joe. Uh, creatures with the troop subtype don't make standard melee attacks. Instead, they deal automatic damage to any creature within reach or whose space they occupy at the end of their move with no attack roll needed. One of those, there's so many of them around, you literally can't dodge them all and they just do some damage. So that like, would just like mitigate things like displacement and magic mirrors... Yes, Correct. those would have. There's like, just too no many. nothing. Right. Yeah, yeah, but also like they don't they don't attack mirrors, so you wouldn't lose any right. from being in the swarm, uh, unless they otherwise troops attacks are not magical. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, you still have two questions, Joe. That's just something that you would gotcha. know from knowing that it's a troop. Uh, how much HP is it going to take to knock out this troop? HP game style. You know, give me a number. Hundred. Lower. So I'm basically asking about the juju zombies themselves. Okay. Like who makes up? Is, I mean, is that what my knowledge is going towards? Basically, like I know they're juju zombies. We've run into them before, so I have some background of what they are. I mean, you're really just kind of like, like I said, like there, you don't really have a point of reference to know like about this monster's stat block because it's a troop of a of another monster that is otherwise pretty basic. Um, so you're just asking me questions about this troop, and it's okay. just—it's not going to be stuff that. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah. Is there anything that a troop can do that, like the single monster, wouldn't be able to? Like, could they build a, you know, a tower and go over the wall, or can they attack us in some interesting, you know, like ants? Like yeah. one ant is like, yeah, whatever. But then you get them together, and it's like, oh shit, look what they're doing. I mean, <clears> yeah. Uh, since a uh, troop is like a bunch of creatures uh they you know th their their attacks are kind of reflective of that uh so here i'll give you uh i'll give you a couple uh like offensive things uh you know that if they deal damage to a creature that is in their space as opposed to adjacent to them and they're attacking with their reach uh they deal a little bit of extra damage because you're just you're being overwhelmed by just enemies on all sides uh, and you know that they have a range attack where they can hurl a barrage of rocks and debris as a standard action. Uh, now note that they can still they deal their automatic troop damage without a standard action. So they can do a ranged attack in addition to just damaging anybody they can reach. Um, they can hurl a barrage of rocks and debris as a standard action. Uh, this attack takes the form of up to two lines with a range of 40 feet. These lines can each start from any square the troop occupies. There is a reflex save to have the damage as if it was like a breath weapon. 
All right, and just to flavor my uh, questions here, I'm I'm basically just standing there looking at him talking to Thalias, being like, "Whoa, what is that? Troop is Juju zombies? What do you think? They're gonna hit us from forty feet or rocks? You know, and just sort of, what would it take to kill them? You think a rogue yard blast or?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just yeah. sort of relaying that to the group in that manner. Just Okay. All right, yeah. So you guys like kind of just make some like gut calls about what you think this troop is capable of and yeah. uh yeah, everybody roll initiative. Rogiar. 20. Randolph. 10. Utrid. Uh 17. Pipera. 18. And uh just to add some more flavor when uh when the combat starts, I'm going. It looks like I'm going last among our party. So I'm like, you know, talking about all this stuff, and then Rogero <coughs> takes a turn, or they take a turn. Like, oh, oh, I guess we're fighting now. <laughs> okay, up first is Rogar. Okay. Um. Well, Rogar is still a little out of it, but this is something he has come to know all too well. So he sees a group of zombies and just like autopilot just he floats up and he just unleashes an empowered air blast at these things um all right with a pushing infusion and i am uh and i'm gonna take the burn for the empower uh yeah deadly aimed it's a 17 to hit 17 has not hit their flat-footed ac rogar is still pretty distracted Rolled a, uh, rolled a two there. <laughs> yeah. To make matters worse, uh, that near miss, or that near, yeah, near miss was uh, all it took to alert the Juju zombies to your presence. And a good majority of them turn around and they spot you. Before that, they, yeah, they were just like hammering away at this barrier. Uh, but yeah, they, they've spotted you and it looks like they're about to uh, redirect their assault vipira um i should mention too that vipira is obviously invisible um obviously obviously vipira's not going to get in the mix of things yet but she does want to position herself to somewhere that she thinks that she'd be flanking uh against these zombie horde they can't be flanked they can they cannot no, they can't. They could take sneak attack. Yes. yes, but they can't be flanked. It specifically said they cannot uh, be flanked, but they still could take critical strike, sneak attack, that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Because they're they're like a swarm. A swarm doesn't have like facing yeah. in that way. Because, so yeah. Yeah. So like if Randolph was in the square to the west of them, Vipira was in the square to the east of them, you wouldn't be flanking one single creature. Instead, it would just be the two of you on opposite ends of a crowd of people. Okay. I'm trying to see if there's a way that I can get up in the fight right now. I don't know what these uh, barriers look like. Are those able to be maneuvered around easy enough, or...? Yeah. Like, if you wanted to go, like traverse like north slash south like straight up and down that area that would probably be difficult terrain but if you wanted to just go like east or west through that area you could do it just fine otherwise you'd have to like go around the the uh the barriers there all right it would like you could like get over there and like duck around one of those things as cover i think they're oh i think what they are the uh these four like squares are the bases of collapsed pillars and then these things are the pillars oh, okay. that have fallen. Yeah, because like these gray squares used to be like indoors essentially, but that entire part of the of the temple has collapsed. I don't think there's a way for me to get up there in one movement. So Vipira is going to take cover by uh, by the base of one of those uh, columns. Okay. Up next is Uhtred. Okay. Uhtred is going to snap his finger and produce that staff that he just got. Oh, shit. And he's going <laughs> to cast an ice storm on top of this troop. Very nice. Good call. Yep. So I believe there's no save for that. 
Uh, there is no save for it. They're going to take 3d6 points of bludgeoning damage, 2d6 points of cold damage, and the it's a 20-foot radius, 40 feet high, so it's a cylinder. Um, mm-hmm. Creatures inside the area take a minus 4 penalty on perception skill checks, and the entire area is treated as difficult terrain, and it lasts one round per level. Okay, so where are you, where are you centering this? If it's 20 feet... 20 foot radius i would probably center it so that like the very back edge is running up here and then it would be extending out like this way so like the focal point would probably be like somewhere around here all right so go ahead and roll that damage uh just roll 5d6 and then add 50 percent because they are taking extra damage from that area so they took 14 bludgeoning damage and then four damage from the cold. So that's 18 times 1.5 is 27? Yes. All right. And that was only one charge. I can do that two more times. That I believe that's 10 charges. charges. Nope, that's uh, it's one charge for the ice storm. It's two charges for wall of ice and three charges for cone of cold. I thought all that's staffs it. only had three charges. They have, no, ten, they have charges. 10 charges. Oh, wait. Hold on. Did they, like, <laughs> did they refill, like, a rod? No. Uh, no. Once per day, you can restore... It, once per day, any caster can restore one point... Or, actually, I think it's the rod itself can only do one per day. Once per day, a rod can have one charge restored to it as long as it... You know, they're, the caster that's doing it has... The ability to cast uh, a spell in it, and that's not like it's on your spell list. Like you have to be, a, you have to be a high enough level to cast one of the spells. And I believe Utrid is currently a high enough level to cast uh, Ice Storm. So yeah, once per day you can. So you can re- re- you can restore one charge. You can you can refill them, but they don't just all come back like a rod would after one day. Right. It takes time to that refill is them. Okay. All right. So I can do that nine more times. Yes. Yes, you could. All right, cool. Um, do you do anything with your move action? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really think so. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that I can just kind of make enough difficult terrain that by the time they get here, we've beat them down already. So I, I think now I'll just, just do that and call it a day. Conserve on some arcana points here. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, so it's Dondon's turn, and he's... He kind of looks around like he doesn't really have anything for this, but he he turns to Randolph and he said he like looks at Randolph's big scythe and he goes, "Goes you, uh, here take take this, be unseen," and he casts greater invisibility on Randolph. Friggin' sweet. What about Elias though? Uh, just Randolph. Yeah, but what, what am I supposed to do with Elias? <laughs> Asking out of game, not not in game. <laughs> I don't know. What do you What do you mean? What are you supposed to do with Elias? Well, I'm invisible, but Elias isn't. I'm not gonna go so? in. I guess I could just leave him. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, that was Donna's turn. It's now the troops' turn. Oh, so they can't quite reach you guys. That was very, uh, very clutch, Utra, with that difficult terrain. So they spent a full turn getting out of that difficult terrain, and then coming within five feet of uh, having three uh, well just two of you in their reach because Rogier is up in the air uh, but yeah this troop is coming for you okay it is now Randolph's turn um, so now being greaterly invisibly um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I'm gonna look at Thelias who's not invisible and say well you're sitting this one out come on back I'll pop him back in my head All right. I'm gonna take a five foot step forward yeah, I'm going to start blasting. That is Thelias' uh, icon. Oops. Take two five-foot steps forward. Uh, you can move five, You can move ten feet or you can charge. Charge. Perfect. All right. So you used one of your two times per day yes. to pull him back? Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you can activate your partial manifestation uh, as the same action of... Yes. Uh, I like how in. this works. Yes. Okay. I'd like to uh, do that. That just costs you. You can only do that, I think, one round per level. Uh, one, yeah, one round per level per day. Is you can do that partial manifestation, 
doing that as the same action as pulling him in uh, costs two rounds off the bat. Just FYI. Okay. Sounds good. All right. You are invisible. All right. So, attack. I can power attack, right? Nothing's preventing me from really laying into them. Yeah, go for it. Uh, They are, you get a target, they're flat footed AC minus two. All right. uh, 25. And then. That that hits. Minus two. 16. Okay. And for the dedicated slam. They're just going to be regular slams because these things haven't hit you yet, right? Oh. Right. Regular slam. Right, right, right. 24. 24 also hits. Uh, actually. Oh. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're you're fine. Sweet. I, uh, well. <laughs> I'm just trying to... Because the swift action to activate the tentacles is the same swift action to, like, create the armor. But you already did that. So here, so here's what all we need to do is uh, Randolph charges and then spends the swift action pulling Thalias in. Okay. Uh, I like to so, think like cinematically Randolph yeah. was like standing behind Thalias. So I just imagine Randolph just charges through Thalias who then just like uh, like just becomes just, like, armor. Yeah, just like Iron over. Man's his way onto Randolph for this fight for this attack. Yo, that's awesome. That is awesome. All right, so yeah, go for it with the slams. Tw- the first one was 24. Okay, 24 hits. 17 damage. All right. And the second attack is 31 to hit for 12 damage. Whew, all right. Rack that up pretty handily. Yeah, very nice. Uh, okay, uh, up next is Rogyar. Okay, let's uh, try that again. We're going to... You know what? I'm going to gather power as a move action. And then I'm going to maximize this air blast. Okay. So still taking one burn and with deadly aim. God damn it. 19 to hit. Wow. Uh, you know wow. what? I'm going to hero point that and make it a 23. All right. With a hero point, 23 will hit. All right. So maximized... That's uh, 45 damage maximized. All right. Uh, and Rogyar obliterates the remainder of that troop. We're going to keep things in initiative for now. Vipira, what do you do? Is there currently a seen enemy right now? Nope. All right. Uh, well, Vipira makes her way back to the group. You know that just kind of looking at things, uh, like if you want to get into the temple through the spot that that troop was hammering away at would probably be the the best way in. It looks like, you know, like there's probably somebody inside that would have to like move the barrier aside to let you in. But yeah, if you wanted to get into the temple, like oh up oh the north okay, would be where you want All to right, go. All right, wait, hold up, hold up. So Vipira yeah. goes goes up to the front here where uh, they've been banging on and uh, (laughs) yells out Cedo if you're in there you have a lot of explaining to do was she like she did this oh yeah I guess and And by Pyrrha's mind this is her fault oh this is (laughs) 100% by Pyrrha's line of thinking (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh by Pyrrha's line of thinking (laughs) (laughs) I thought that's where you were with that, too. All right. Uh, Uhtred. Um, I guess Uhtred's going to go up to the door, too, and say, Are there any survivors in there? This is Uhtred Bebenbeh. You hear a voice from the other side, and uh, it you don't recognize the voice, but uh, it's an adult male, and he says... Did you take care of the the undead that were just bombarding us? Yes, we did. Okay, uh, just wait one second. We'll we'll move the barrier over. Thank you. Uh, quickly, uh, just get ready to come in before more of them show up. You're I'm gonna ready. trust us just like that? Shut wow. the fuck up, Vipira. <laughs> we're alive. Yes, they're gonna trust us right now. Uh, undead could easily uh, talk. Uh, Dondon. Uh, Spence's turn, getting up to Uhtred, ready to 
go into shelter. And he's like, come on, hurry up. Randolph. Um, I hurry along. I haven't been hurrying at all up until this point. But now I'm like, oh, gates are closed. You know, the gates are opening. Better, better run. I think this is as far as I can get. I don't think I can make it there. Take two move actions. You spend two move. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, everybody make a perception check. 19. Oh boy. Got a 16. 7. 17. Okay, so you guys are waiting for the barrier to get moved, which looks like it'd probably take a few rounds. It's, I mean, it's this big, spiked barrier that this horde of undead weren't able to just uh, like move aside. Uh, and Rogyar, like you're, you're still, you still, you have like a high vantage point right now because you haven't had a chance to get over there yet. Uh, but you see, kind of seeping up through the rubble in the ground, this cloying green mist, which pulses sporadically with a sort of intelligent veracity. Uh. uh everybody who wants to can give me a knowledge dungeoneering check. Mm, I got nothing. 30. Right here with a 23. 18. Okay. Uh, everybody but Rogyar knows that this is a hungry fog. This eerie, vaporous ooze slips silently through the air, a roiling cloud of green fog. Despite its haunting appearance, and despite the fact that hungry fogs often dwell in old graveyards or hunt battlefields, a hungry fog is not an undead creature. Rather, it is a form of gaseous ooze infused with negative energy. Uh, Randolph can ask me one question. Vipera can ask me two questions. And Uhtred can ask four questions. Wow. So I immediately know my question, and that's, can I uh, blast this thing with my new ability? Uh, no, because it is not an incorporeal creature. But... You do know that it, uh, I'll give it to you that you know about its gaseous ability. Uh, it has a has a body composed of an eerie mist. Uh, although it is not incorporeal and therefore not uh, a target of your spell, uh, it can pass through small holes or narrow openings, even mere cracks, but cannot enter water or other liquid. It has no strength score and cannot manipulate objects as a result. Huh. Uh, so you know that if... Even if you guys were like to, like quick scramble inside, this thing would be able to follow you in with no, uh, with absolutely no problems. Who wants to go next? Vipira will. Uh, okay. Does this thing have any DR? You know, it has DR ten that is bypassed by magic attacks. Yeah. And I'll take the last one. Uh, uh, does this thing have any resistances? You know, it resists the first 10 points of cold damage. Uhtred. Is there any adverse or negative effect for hitting it with a melee attack? No. Okay. Can I get another offensive ability? Yes. You know about its enveloping mists ability. A hungry fog can engulf foes. A creature engulfed by a hungry fog does not gain the pin condition and may move normally. Such a creature is not in danger of suffocating, but as long as it begins its turn engulfed, it is staggered in addition to the damage the attack causes. Knowing that damage is a separate question. I'll I'll spend another Uh, point to know the damage. Another question. There there is a, uh, a... Looks like a reflex save to avoid being in, like enveloped. So it's normally like it's a large creature that just kind of like like belly flops on you pretty much, and there's a reflex save to like move to the side. Uh, that also applies to uh, to being in, enveloped here. Um, and I'm sorry, what were you saying? Uh, that I would use a second question for um, what the damage it did. From being engulfed. All right. All right, this would be your third question, though, because the first was about asking, like, s- about some sort of retribution oh, right, right. from hitting it. Uh, it deals 66 negative energy while being inside of it. Okay. I don't think it's going to have too much more offensive or defensive abilities. So let's do HP game for the last one. Okay. 125. Lower. Okay, so up 
First is this fog, and it is uh, tragically slow. As a full round action, it comes so close <laughs> to closing the distance that it started with. Uh, but then up next is Rogyar. All right. Well, Rogyar kind of likes his current vantage point here. Um, you don't say. So he'll float five feet to the north, and he'll uh, he's going to gather power to empower a. Uh, he's got to use his long range, but he's going to use the uh, the long range uh, gusting infusion. See if I can disrupt this thing with a blast of air. Okay, how does gusting infusion work again? The wind from your infusion causes your blast to act as an instantaneous gust of wind as the spell. And if the blast is a clear path, I can accept two additional points of burn or reduce the damage to zero in order to cause it to persist for one round, which I'm not going to do that. Okay, go for it. Okay. So air blast, deadly aimed, gathered power to empower. Jesus, that's a 20 to hit. Wow. Rogyar is... <laughs> he's got to get his head in the game. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, a 20 will hit. Wow. Nice. Okay. Well, so that's what, 39 and 19. It's going to be 58 damage. And then it gets a fortitude save against the gust. All right. Got a nine. Uh, so, yeah, that fails. All right. So, uh, this... Hungry Fogs uh, didn't come up with your questions, but it's pertinent now. Uh, they are vulnerable to wind and are treated as a tiny-sized creature versus wind effects. Uh. <laughs> so it says in the Gust of Wind spell, a tiny or smaller creature is rolled 1d4 times 10 feet back, taking 1d4 points of non-lethal damage per 10 feet. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and roll a four there, big guy? A three. Still, right. that's pretty good. That. All right. So He's, 30 feet. He said they were dangerously slow. <laughs> and then it so takes... He gets knocked back 30 feet. And takes nine points of non-lethal damage. It's... not really sure how to adjudicate this, but... I mean, it's... Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> So we just basically, the rest of us need to stay out of range and keep letting Rogyard bully this thing around until it's dead. <laughs> I like that plan. That plan. Like, I don't, I don't think it has enough movement speed to get back to us, so we should probably just stay Ooze, close by the gate. Oozes are not immune to non-lethal damage, so this thing is mechanically unconscious right now. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> So it gets like it so this fog it's it's just like this big roiling green mass and as it uh as it started to close in on I guess it wouldn't see Randolph or Vipera who are both invisible but it knows that Dondon and Uhtred are right over there too uh it kind of like you could see this like malicious like shape or face kind of start to take shape uh within this green mass as it like almost seems to rear up ready to attack Rogar blows it the fuck back and the the mist persists but it seems like it's inert or something it just kind of like it's like a little deflated and it just isn't currently moving I know we're still in initiative but like Rogar is just going to give it a double tap if no one else goes up and Attacks it in the meantime. No, Vipira would go up. I don't think Vipira can. Uh, it, you're in difficult terrain right now from Uhtred's spell. Yeah, but that's not going to matter. Vipira has boots. the slippers. Vipira's got the slippers. <laughs> All right, so Vipira would have to charge at it. Vipira would charge at it. All right, so Vipira ch charges up to this just immobile mass of of green ooze like fog lashes out with her claws and finishes that sucker off hell yeah it had one hit point left oh, after Rogyar's oh blast <laughs> okay so the hungry fog is finished off and uh, with a few more rounds after that 
of waiting uh the the barrier on the uh the south uh the southwest end where where utrid and Donden are waiting is moved aside so you can kind of like sidestep your way in and you hear a voice saying come in quick before more of them show up i hurry in and we go and we'll see you next week Oh, on right. the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. Not too shabby. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.